You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. There's never I can't. There's always I can try. And it's something that I live by. I can try. That's it. It doesn't have to happen today. It doesn't have to happen tomorrow. But when someone says to me, a student will be like, I can't sit in warrior two for more than three breaths. I say, but you can try. That was Javi Rosen. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Before we get started, I wanted to thank our sponsors, Mad Ritual CBD, best CBD balm ever. I'm training and working out five to six days a week, and this healing recovery balm has been a game changer. But more about that later. I'm super excited to introduce you to today's guest, Javi Rosen. Javi Rosen is on a mission to inspire and heal people through yoga. In 2010, Javi suffered a debilitating back injury, and her life came to a crashing halt. She went through two surgeries and was in need of a third that could have left her paralyzed. But then she discovered yoga. Yoga saved her life and is what helped her find her true purpose and passion to help others see that through time, patience, hard work, and dedication, that yes, you can do it too. On this episode, Javi and I talk about how yoga transformed her life, healed her back pain, and set her on a path to inspire others She shares how her yoga practice led to her teaching career, her entrepreneurial roots in graphic design, and her passion for Krav Maga pre-injury. Javi also shares the heartwarming story of how she reconnected with her now husband, her super cool teenage children, and her foray onto TikTok. Javi's dedicated yoga practice led her to get certified as a 200-hour trained Hatha yoga instructor under the extremely talented Mandy Grant from Jaluka in Hillsdale, New Jersey, and has been guiding yoga students of all ages ever since. She teaches at Fire Shaper in Tenafly, New Jersey, Impact Zone in Norwood, New Jersey, Real Hot Yoga in Englewood, New Jersey, The Gym in Englewood, New Jersey, The JCC on the Palisades in Tenafly, New Jersey, and she also teaches tween and teen yoga in after-school programs as well as in a brand new studio called Root to Rise. I hope you enjoy what you hear. If you do, please leave us a review. It's easy. Head over to your Apple app, scroll through the podcast episodes, click on five stars and leave a review. Before we get started with today's episode, I wanted to share a word about our sponsor, Mad Ritual CBD. Today's episode is fueled by Mad Ritual CBD. Mad Ritual CBD has changed my recovery game in a really big way. Get ready to recover like a rebel with these awesome, high-quality CBD-infused products. Their CBD balm is off the charts amazing. 
and I'm not the only one that thinks so. Mad Ritual has 100 plus five-star reviews. The balms have five simple organic ingredients, coconut oil, shea butter, olive oil, plant wax, CBD, and different blends of essential oils. Personally, I prefer the eucalyptus and peppermint. They also offer a terrific CBD-infused total recovery supplement. Not just for athletes, the products are formulated to ease all of the aches and pains that come along with being an active human. So, if you are sore from life, Mad Ritual gets it. Founded by women athletes and active entrepreneurs, they are committed to helping active folks bring more balance to their lives. Mad Ritual is offering Marnie on the Move listeners 15% off. Head over to their website, madritual.com, and use the code Marnie on the Move. Now, on to the episode. You are a yoga teacher, and you've been teaching now for five years. Where did yoga begin for you? It's a crazy story. So I love bef- crazy stories. <laughs> Before I actually got into it because of my accident, I had gone into a yoga studio like maybe 20 years ago, and I walked right out. I said, this stretching thing, like what? That's not a workout. And I left. And then flash forward and I had a terrible back accident in 2010 where I uh, slipped and fell on the ice and I wrecked my back and ended up in two mega surgeries that didn't work and they wanted to do a third. And the third one, they said, we're going to put metal rods up your spine with a 20% chance that you'll be left paralyzed. Wow. So the surgeon who had done my first two said to me, I want you to go get other opinions because I need you to know that you're like my daughter and I, I can't do this to you. So I went, they all said the same thing, 20% chance. And I was like, ah, no, that's like a terrible number. If you said 1% and my dad was there and he goes, if they said 1%, we'd be walking out the door. But they're saying 20, so we're walking out the door. Another doctor friend of mine who had been like taking care of me with my whole injury had said, there's this really cool thing out there now. You've tried everything. It's called hot yoga. And I'm like, oh, yoga, really? He's like, no, but this is like hot yoga. That sounds cool. You're cool. Go try it. He said, you can't rack your back any further, so just give it a run. I went. There was a new studio that opened in Englewood, New Jersey. It's where I teach now, ironically. Uh, Real hot yoga. I went in there, and at that time, they had like five people in a class because it was so new, and the instructors knew exactly what happened to me, and they literally would hold my hand getting through it. I walked in this room. There are people like bent over, chin on the floor. They're like having their hands under their feet. I couldn't even touch my thigh let alone sit down on the floor. I looked at the teacher saying, that's a thing. They sit on the floor because I can't sit on the floor. I'm like an 80-year-old woman. Right. They're like, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And we're going to make sure you can do it. So for that hour, what I realized is it was the first time I was not in pain in like four years. Four years of pain in one hour. I had no pain. I couldn't believe it. Four years you were in pain from your back Mm -hmm. and you did not have the surgery. I had two failed ones and then I just was not going to do this. And the final one, they wanted to put rods in your back. Mm -hmm. And you just said like, no. I wasn't willing to take the chance of being paralyzed. 20% is a big number. That's crazy. So I just opted out and I just listened to what he said. Like, listen, if if you wreck your back further, which you won't, if you do... We know where we need to go, and that's right. fine. So I said, all right. At this point, I was willing to try anything. I was getting, like, shots in my back. I was, I was doing everything. Acupuncture, so you were in acupuncture. a lot of pain. Oh, were my you gosh, taking yes. pain meds yep. and all kinds of stuff? And yep. were you in physical therapy, too? I tried physical therapy. I really didn't enjoy it because it would hurt more than it helped, and the stretching didn't feel good, and I was just 
stuck. I just felt really like stuck in a rut that that was going to be my life forever. And what was your mental state like? Really poor. I just felt like everything was just crumbling all around me from I just my whole family life. Everything changed. My kids were so little and we had hoped to have a third baby. And the doctor just said, I don't recommend it. And he said it would make the back injury that much worse. And, and what I just, was the back injury? So when I slipped and I fell, the bottom two discs went kaput. My nerves went all off course. It was horrible. I had like such terrible pain down my leg and oh my all gosh. on my back. And it was just, I like nailed out my teeth big time. And I, had, I went through like four bite plates because the pain was so bad. Oh my God. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yoga just, I, I say it, yoga saved my life. And I can't believe, like I even said to an instructor, if you would have seen me before the accident, when I walked in that studio and I walked right out, and now this is all I want to do every single day, I literally went from that first class every single day, sometimes twice a, twice a day, just to feel no pain. And that movement took a while. And I'm not going to be a person who says, listen, don't do surgery. There's right. no medical uh, background to say that, you know, don't do surgery, go do yoga. But I think, especially in the world we live in today, doctors will say, why don't you do yoga and it will help you when you're getting better from surgery or maybe it will prolong having to do the surgery, but it can definitely help because it opens you up and it clears your mind beyond words, which is like a big part of the whole thing. So I strengthened up. My doctor could not believe what he was seeing. Every week I'd see him and he'd be like, this is nuts. He's like, how does this happen? I strengthened up my core. I strengthened up my back muscles. Nothing's changed my back, but I will say I am pain-free. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe in it because I'm a yoga practitioner and I also feel like yoga saved my life in so many ways, like not just from practicing asana, but mentally. And I also have, I actually have two rods in my back and had scoliosis surgery when I was 18 and spent my last year of high school in a brace like on and off. And I mean, if it wasn't for yoga, I probably would have never been as flexible as I am today. And I actually think I'm a lot stronger. Yeah, yoga really is powerful. I mean, all the small muscles in your back that get worked and all the muscles that you would never work like any other time in any other sport. So I believe in the power of yoga. It's an, it's an amazing thing. No, yeah. and, and a lot of people, if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, you, and have you need to, do to it. know. You yeah. have to at least try. Yeah. I actually listened to a really funny YouTube video of the rapper 50 Cent who had mm-hmm. his first experience with hot yoga. And he said, I, didn't, I don't know what I was going in there to, to do. It was like stretching, I'm flexing, I don't know. He's like, I walk in, everything's going well. He said, then things start moving faster. And I look at the women next to me going, are you going through what I'm going through? Because look at my mat, it's like a pool. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's like you, people think that yoga is easy or that it's just stretching. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, I practice Ashtanga, mm-hmm. so it's definitely oh, wow. not stretching. So when did you make that sort of jump from practicing and believing in how yoga can help change your life to teaching and what was the sort of philosophy and mindset behind that? So it was about a year into my practicing and I was doing headstands. Ironically, I'll say this also, is that every year on the day that I slipped and fell, I mark it as my backiversary. That's and awesome. I, and I That's put it on Instagram yeah. and I call it in all my classes that today is the backiversary. And I mark it because it really is a reminder that such like something so bad had happened to me, but it put me to where I am today. And it took me on this journey of going through all that pain to come to something that really helped me from all the pain, mentally, mentally, physically, spiritually, you name it. 
And it catapulted me into this place where I could heal other people with my own story, teaching it my own way, knowing that the body is injured in so many different areas. Sometimes people don't even realize that they have those injuries. So about a year into my practice, one of the teachers there said, I'm taking you to meet my guru. I said, why? And she said, well, because you're going upside down, you're doing your thing, you're flowing, like you started out on the floor not being able to move and look at you now, you're flowing, you're upside down, you're going into crow, you're doing things. People need to know that there's right. someone like you who can help someone like them. So I said, okay, let's go. We, we meet this guru who I fell in love with. Her name is Mandy Grant. She teaches at this place called Jaluka in Hillsdale. She does teacher training. She's been in the business for so long. She's this like amazing South African beauty. And she told her story. And I took one of her classes. That's how I met her. She came over to me and she said, there's something I need to know about you. And I said, what do you need to know about me? She's like, your story. So I told her and she goes, I want you to come take our teacher training because people need to know. And I did it. I did it over a nine month course. I called it that when I graduated, I gave birth to my yoga baby. That Uh was baby number three. (laughs) It was the best experience of my life. It really changed not just my practice, but how I lived my life and what I would give out. And I made that decision during the training because of the way she teaches exactly how I was going to teach people. I wasn't going to be your every yoga teacher. Right. I was going to be something different. And so what is that? Like, how do you teach? So you're used to Ashtanga. So a lot of it is systematic. Right. right? Like the alphabet. <laughs> like the alphabet. A lot of like yoga is that way. Is You have to follow a certain way to get going. To, right. So for me, it's walking in there and I got so hooked on hot yoga. That's where I really started. I I teach both, but I got into hot yoga and I watched how certain teachers would just like take you through these crazy like music and everything. I said, that's it. We are going to do this to EDM. We're going to do this to hip hop. We're going to do it to all popular music. And I'm going to take them on a ride from the beginning all the way up, take it through. And then we're going to come down and it's going to come back to a meditative spot where you're probably going to cry in Shavasana, the final resting pose. That sounds like my kind of class. Yeah. The EDM part. Right? (laughs) How about the hip hop? Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's so, I wanted it to be fun. I didn't want someone to walk in there and do the same postures over and over and over and not feel something. And I have another uh, teacher who I'm friends with who always says, like, don't trust a feeling, trust your intuition. Right. And that's exactly it. Because sometimes it'd be like, wow, my arm feels really good over here. Oh, no, maybe it doesn't. Oh, no, maybe it does. But we're trusting a feeling versus just move within that flow. For example, this morning I took them through a flow and I just kept adding on, adding on, adding on, adding on. And then I would switch it up on them. And I told them, I listened to a podcast recently where this yoga teacher said, we're trained to teach everything on the right, the same on the left. He said, what if we throw a curveball and change it completely? Utilizing the same muscles, because if you're going to take it to a peak pose, you got to use the same muscle groups. So I started doing that because we start moving like robots. We're supposed to be present How about we take ourselves out of that robotic movement and really flow and feel it and go through it and like take our muscles and our bones and our bodies and just get it going and you're sweating and you're like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden you're upside down and you're feeling like this is the most amazing moment of my life. And that's what I do is I want them to walk away saying that was so hard. That was so challenging. But I just had the most fun of my whole life and I cried in Shavasana. Maybe because I was like, what just happened? Or 
it spoke to me. What are the names of the studios you teach at? So I teach at a few. I teach at Real Hot Yoga in Inglewood. That's mm-hmm. my home. That's where I started my journey. I also teach at Fire Shaper and Tenafly. I teach at the gym, which is a non-heated yoga. Totally different. I feel like they're like two separate worlds. I teach at this place called Impact Zone. And then I also, I teach at the JCC. Okay. But one of my favorite things that I do is I teach teens. I have a great base of teens who I say now, if someone would have taken the time to teach me yoga at that age, how different life could have been. Maybe my accident may have not been as bad. I don't know. What were you doing before yoga? Because, I mean, I know that you're very athletic. So I was doing Israeli martial arts. Okay. So totally the opposite of the yoga vibe. I used to call it my fight club. Uh Uh-huh. Because... Because I trained in like underground places, which is ridiculous. I was like one of the only female cadets. And I loved every last second of it. But it was like roughhousing like no other. Sometimes with padding and sometimes without. But it was so much fun. But after my accident, I mean, obviously I couldn't roughhouse. So yeah. and I haven't really gone Krav back Maga? to it. Yeah, Krav Maga. Got it. So much fun. But really. How it, long did you practice that for? About three years. It was a lot of fun. It was just roughhousing. And listen, I grew up with an older brother who was like five years older than me. Oh, wait, where are you from? So I grew up in Maryland in Potomac. I and my brother are both adopted as well as my husband. And I have the most amazing parents. First of all, my father is like a fitness god. Since I was little, the guy gets on his stationary bike and bikes 50 miles a day. Wow. Yes. And then at night walks seven miles. That's amazing. He clean eats the same thing every single day. I was like, doesn't it get boring? He's like, no. Does yoga get boring for you? I said, no. He goes, see, that's like his way. But I grew up in in a house that, you know, fitness was like a big thing for us. My brother was big into basketball. Like it just took us that way. And I ended up in New York because my dad wanted me to go to Stern College for women. He wanted me to meet a nice Jewish boy and get married and make a (laughs) life. Yeah. And I came here after my year in Israel. I went to Israel. I went to Bar Ilan University for a year, which was so much fun. Maybe my dad would say different. Um, it wasn't fun for him. I don't think so. <laughs> Did you actually attend classes or you no. were out partying? <laughs> no, we were out partying, having the best okay. time. I met my best friend there. And we're still best friends to this day. I don't know if you know her, Stephanie Gershkovich. She's the best. No, I don't know her. We but... should throw her name in there. She's the best person on earth. Everyone should know Stephanie. Okay, Stephanie, shout out. Shout out. So... After we came back and I went to Stern, I, uh, I studied public relations there. I actually did go to class at Stern. I did. And I did well in school. <laughs> <laughs> went to FIT with a joint program in between. Cool. I will say that I met a guy there, even though as a sidebar, I already knew my husband since I was 13, interestingly enough. Were and he was younger date? than me. Yeah. So I never looked at him that way, even though the guy's six foot five and gorgeous. I never looked at him that way. I was like, oh, little Ami, little Ami. Meanwhile, little Ami grew to six foot five Ami. But I always just like knew who he was. He hung out with, you know, who we know, the people we have in common, our mutual friends. Thank you. And I met another guy in college and we ended up, we got married right after college and quickly divorced three years later because life was not what we thought it would be. Took a little turn. So that was a learning experience, part of the journey. I learned so much about myself then, and that's where I became like a little bit more of a, I call myself a nice, strong, independent woman. And I think that it has a lot to do with that. Again, looking at something that was bad and turning it into something good. I'm good at that, so. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a real talent. It's a talent, right? It really is, and it takes a lot of work. Like, people, you know, make it seem so easy, but it, it takes a lot of strength. 
it took a lot. I had really supportive parents. I had really supportive friends. And I just realized that sometimes we got to fall to get back up, literally. When did you get remarried? So I got remarried about two years after my divorce was finalized. And it was funny how Ami came into my world again was at that time we did everything on email and, you know, the AOL chats and everything. And I saw his name on a group email and I was like, Ami Rosen. Oh my God, I haven't heard that name in forever. And I wrote back because when I was 13 and he, and when he was 14, when I was 14 and he was 13, we were on one of those like Shabbat tones as teenagers. Uh huh. And he wrote me one of these letters, and I still have it to this day, in bubble letters that said, Javi, you are the woman of my dreams, the mother of my children. I love you. So I see this email, flash forward, right? We're in our 20s. And I write back, hey, Ami, how are you? Long time no speak. Signed it, Javi. He said, Javi who? I write back, the mother of your children, the woman of your dreams, the one you said I love you to. And he said, oh, my God, you remember that? And I, it, he knew right away as soon as that's I said so that. That's so cool. And the rest became history. We just became like best of friends. And That's amazing. And, and now a, you have two kids. Now we have two big kids. My God, they're like people now. My that's, daughter's almost 17. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. How's that? <laughs> that's nuts. But it's kind of like I have a sister. So it's cool. I mean, she'll turn on me quickly, but, you know, she's a feisty I feel one. like that happens during the 13 years. Like, did that happen when she was in, like a younger teen? Not as much. Don't I, talk about her because she's listening. She's going to be listening. Yeah. <laughs> She'll like it that I'm talking about her. She'll say, yeah, say that I'm feisty because I am. Say that we get into fights and you don't win. <laughs> yeah. No, it's all good. She is the best. Like she, she's truly like one of my favorite people in the world. I used to say when she was little, she was like my little accessory. Oh. Everywhere we went, she was always like, hi. And then I had my son and I go into a store and he'd be like, no, now you can take him anywhere. She's like, no, I'm, I'm going to hang with my friends, you know? Yeah. It yeah. quickly changes. It quickly changes. So now you have like this amazing family and your kids are older. What were you doing before you started teaching yoga? So interestingly enough, I've always had that entrepreneurship within me. I went to school at Parsons, where I know you went to school too. Yes. And I studied graphic design. I fell in love with this world of graphic design. I've always been like a visual person Mm -hmm. and creating things. And it kind of matches the yoga world too, because you're creating. And I decided, um, I worked for these, I was freelancing with these two amazing women downtown in New York. And I learned so much from them, like how to build your business, how to do this and just go off on your own and get clients. And it was great. It was like a paid internship that I was making very minimal money on, but they taught me everything I needed to know post graduating school with this. And then I got my first job at Moody's Investor Service as one of their lead designers, which was really awesome. I met some cool people there. And then 9-11 happened. I was there that day too. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Round two, bad things happening and coming out a better person, right? Yeah. That was nuts. I had one of those days where like God had an upper hand across the street. Were you in your office at the time? I was on um, 6th Avenue and 23rd Street. So I had just left my building. But how did you get out of the neighborhood? And It's a crazy story. And I tell it also every year because, you know, my kids need to know. And this year, actually, for my daughter, it was like a really emotional story to her. And it connected with her much deeper than it ever has. I think now she just really fully understands. I had one of those days where I missed every train. Literally. I used to live in Queens in Forest Hills and I came down. I remember it being like the most beautiful morning ever that day. Yes. And I lived on the 19th floor. So I get to the bottom and you remember Blockbuster days and you didn't return your movie. You had to pay $5. 
I realized the second I got down, I look at my watch and I was like, oh, I left the movie upstairs. Run back up to get it. Run to the train station. And I see my F train leave. I'm like, okay, can't be late for work. I go running. I catch a C train. I take it to, what is it? Probably 42nd Street. I go running across. I miss it again. It was like God was playing. Let's make sure she doesn't go near what happened. And it literally took off. I get back on another train, which is going to now drop me about eight blocks away from my office. Back in those days, we were wearing headphones that right. looked like the real Walkman. I remember it was a yellow Walkman. I was listening to NSYNC. I had that one. Yeah. I was listening to, <laughs> I literally was listening to, bye, bye, bye. I come out the train and it looked so weird down there. The first plane had already gone through and it was like a movie set. That's what it looked like. That yeah. I just walked into a weird movie set and where I was walking to, I like looked up in the right corner and I could see the trade center with the hole in it. And I thought, this is really weird. And I see a woman come from the side and she's hysterically crying. She's like, there's been a terrible accident. You should get away from here. There's been, it's horrible. A plane went through. So right away I call my boss and I'm like, seems like there's an accident. I'm going to kind of divert. I'll make my way over, but I'm going to be late. Then this man, I don't, I have no idea who he was, grabs my arm and says, run. And three seconds later, the other plane went right over our heads into the building. That's crazy. It was surreal. It, it was, was like surreal. really surreal. Yes. And I had come out of a cast two weeks before. So I was like, if I'm going to have to run now, this is really not going to be so fun. But you're going to do it. But I was going to do it. And I went all the way sort of towards the water to get away from the spot. And no one knew. No one knew down there. No one knew what was happening. No. And then Giuliani's like squad comes in and people had their cars like on with the radio that said it was a terrorist attack. Yeah. I was in my office and my (sighs) friend called me and he's like, turn on the radio. And I'm like, why? Like who listens to the radio? (laughs) Right. You know, back then. I mean, it was the time where I was, I don't know. I didn't listen to the radio. I would read the newspaper. Right. You know, and he was like, turn on the radio. It was nuts. And I was like, no. And I was listening as the second plane flew in to the World Trade Center and Mm -hmm. I then they evacuated our building and everybody was running up Fifth Avenue up Fifth Avenue and also all the way towards the water which is where I was running up 14th yeah it was crazy Mm -hmm. it was nuts and I remember it being like you get up to a certain point and there was just like a car in the middle of the street doors open it was a movie it was like literally like a movie happening around you but I remember that my dad would be on his morning bike watching TV and seeing this. So he was probably terrified. Freaking out and cell phones weren't working and right. he couldn't reach Ami, who I was dating at the time, because you couldn't make long distance calls. So I kept trying to hit up a payphone and just get the operator to call them. And I finally made it up to like 32nd Street and I got on the phone and I couldn't even talk on the phone. My father answered and he's like, please say that it's you, Javi. Please say that it's you. And I just started crying and he was like, just get on a bridge, walk across, do whatever you have to do, but stay away from all the main spots, but yeah. just keep running. I was like, Forrest Gump, like, let's just keep running, keep yeah. going. Yeah, it was that kind of day. Yeah. It was terrifying. Yeah. Um, that restored my faith in New York too, though, that yeah. moment, because every New Yorker was coming together to help each other. It's true. Yeah. I, I mean, it was crazy. So I ended up, I stayed with Moody's for a little while. We went to like yeah. a, a place in Jersey City mm-hmm. and we stayed there for a while. But, but by the time we went back, I was already married and, and, and I got pregnant with my daughter. So as soon as she was coming into the world, I'd already started this amazing freelance company on my side called Cara Designs. And, and I you just, were doing graphic design. I was doing straight graphic design for my home computer, 
stuck with that for 12 years. It was great. It's just that it became a very lonely business, but it was great for me being a stay-at-home mom then. Right. And they were little. It was perfect. I did it. And I had great clients from all over and it was just easy. And then it just got to a point where I felt like I need to be in front of people. It became a lonely business for me. And though I still have like a passion for that creativeness, like I did my son's bar mitzvah invitation and all that, but the same heart's not in that as much as it is now in creating my sequences and being in front of people and talking to them and cracking like they all know it. My students who will be listening know I make the dumbest, cheesiest jokes during class for one reason. Let's not take ourselves so seriously. It's just yoga. At the end of the day, it's just yoga. And this is for you. So smile because sometimes they're like, with their eyes glaring in the mirror. And I'm like, hey, hear that music? Isn't that awesome? Let's just dance. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, and then you also said that you were the director of operations at your synagogue. Was that also before you started teaching yoga? That's when I got into my practice of yoga. Okay. So I would be working like a nine to five job there, which was really a great job. I actually jumped in on that while I was dealing with my back. Uh, Unfortunately, the director there had passed away suddenly. And I wasn't working really then. So I reached out to them and I said, I can help because the stuff I used to work a lot for my dad back in the day, I can do all the office work. Plus I can do graphics for the synagogue. So they were like, bring it. We need help right now. So I did. And they hired me. Long story short, I was practicing yoga at the same time that I was doing that. And I just was like, it was like I was being pulled in these two different worlds. Like, do I want to stay in this business lane or do I want to go back into my creative world, into a whole new world where healing is more up my alley. And that's the avenue I chose. And I just had to walk away from being the director. I did some side work with my husband for a little bit. He's a mortgage banker. So I was doing some work with him. And then again, I said to him, my heart is just in yoga. And he said, I know, and that's where you belong. So go do it. Do you ever do motivational talks or speak at conferences? It's interesting that you say this because I always think, especially even before coming on here, the one question that I always think it's going to be asked is what is your plan going forward with yoga? Will you stay on this ride of just teaching and guiding? Well, the one thing I've manifested since I started this was I would love to get out there and be able to go on a retreat and teach motivationally healing wise for people to fully understand that you can come from the bottom and make your way back up step by step because my big line in life is there's never I can't there's always I can try and it's something that I live by I can try that's it it doesn't have to happen today it doesn't have to have to happen tomorrow but when someone says to me a student will be like I can't sit in warrior two for more than three breaths I say but you can try and they say you're right then I said, there you go. You just lasted five. I always say that about going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll say, you know, I'm really not in the mood to work out today, but I'll just go to the gym and I can always eat something if I don't feel like getting on the treadmill. And then I'll like walk over to the treadmill, turn it on. And I'm like, I'm like going to run a mile. And then, you know, it's six, seven, eight. And I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I tried that. I love that philosophy. It's- I think it's I do it for everything, but yeah. And my little teen yogis have a great way to say it because they say, well, if you look at the word I can't, it actually spells out I can try. Yes. And I fell in love with that. I said, you guys are awesome because that's my motto. And they said, you see? So they said, whatever we say, we can't. We're just saying an acronym for I can try. <laughs> Where are the teens that you teach? Are they, is there a studio or you teach them at the JCC? 
So I, I do teach some at the JCC, but I have a bunch that come to my house studio. Excellent. And then I also go to my son's school in Englewood, and, after, and I do an after-school program with teens, and they are adorable. They range in the age of fifth grade, because now this year I got fifth graders who are unbelievable. I wish I could bend the way that they can bend, but wow. I have fifth graders all the way up to two of my originals who are the same age as my daughter, who are 17. And they were my very first yoga students, period. They told me while I was just still getting my teacher training, please train me to do yoga. I want to do what you can do. And if you would see their practice, I mean, it's mind-blowing. Every time I have them, I'm like, this is everything right here. They connect. They breathe. Because I'm a Hatha-trained teacher. Right. So you're connecting the breath and the movement and sometimes very fast physical movements together. Mm -hmm. But you're always linking the breath. And the one thing that I see a lot of adults is really understanding the breath whereas the teens because they're younger and they're so much easier to train how to they take it with them to school they sit there and I watch them sitting in the first few moments where we're just breathing just to calm Mm -hmm. the mind down I think they breathe better than some of us adults do in those stressful moments they sit there and they really connect in they let everything go they're ready to just hit the mat and get it all out. And when they're done, they leave with like a big smile on their face. I'll see you next week, Javi. You know, it's unbelievable to me. I think that's the best. Uh, seeing them and then going to my adult students. I mean, I think I take so much inspiration from where those teens are into the adults. Yeah, that's that sounds incredible. I love it. And, uh, you know, I have students who are adults who have back injuries that come in and say one one mom just came on last Thursday night. She said, you're the yoga teacher who has the hashtag back from a broken back. I said, how did you know that? She said, I read your bio. I checked out your page. And she's like, my, they want to do that surgery on me too. She said, but I found yoga. She says, this is my third class. And the hot yoga changed my life too. So she took my class and she was like, I get it now. I fully get it. I get what your, your way is. I mean, I do a lot of chaturanga holds and my yeah. students call me the I'm annihilator sure of the chaturangas. <laughs> What's your chaturanga time? What's your PR for chaturanga? <laughs> I can hold, but I make them do it so many times. Like now I'm doing a kickback into chaturanga where you pull through for the up dog and you go right back into your chaturanga. And I make them do five of those in 97 degree room. I was room. just going to say, what's the temperature? <laughs> yes. I mean, if it's not hot, it's not as hard. But in the in the heat, I have a student that goes, okay, I made it through three. Does it count? I said, of course, everything counts in here. You know, so there you go. This morning I had them doing it too. But I love to make them hold that. Why? Because that's your back and your core right there. Yeah. And it feels so good. And that that itself changed my whole practice, getting chaturangas done right. Speaking of practices, I'm sure you've come a long way in yours. Are there still asanas that are challenging for you that you're constantly working on? First of all, I have to say that even as a yoga teacher, I'm forever a yoga student because I think there's always something more to learn. Even in the most basic postures, but for me, back bends are very difficult. It takes me a long time to warm up my back, and I'm sure it has a lot to do with my injury, that it just, like I said, nothing's changed in my back, just I'm stronger and I have no pain. doesn't mean that that area doesn't want to bend. It, There's probably scar tissue. A ton, I'm sure of it, but it just doesn't let me go so far, but I'm still willing to keep on working it through, and it's something I do almost daily where I'm trying to drop back. Or, and, and if the audience doesn't know what that means, it's, First of all, I'm nearly 5'8", so a drop back is you're leaning back and the hands have to land on the floor properly without a little click to the back. So naturally for me, that's a little scary because that drop is pretty far. Mm -hmm. And for someone who's a little bit smaller, that drop back might seem a little easier. Like my fifth graders are like, ooh, drop back, I can do it in three seconds. 
So for me, I can climb down the wall that way, but I can't, I won't drop back just yet, but I keep trying. I keep coming with with like different ways in so that Mm -hmm. I can maybe come around the side, you know, there's so, there's so many postures that I would still love to reach deeper into. And for me, it's really just getting deeper, deeper, deeper into it. So I could lift the chest right through my arms, like upside down so that my chest is fully forward. And I've got a foot hanging over my hands in the back. Right. Those are beautiful, you know, but for me, I'm just not there yet. But we have a lot of great asana photos on your, on your Instagram. Thank you. The whole Instagram thing for me is I never wanted to show like, wow, she can do that. I can't. So there's the word I can't. Right. I will always put up the point of my Instagram is to tell people like, yes, you can. And I'll always put an inspirational quote with it. Either it relates to my posture that I'm using or it has to relate to like, I'm like what I'm feeling that day. Like this pose that I did in that picture took me seven tries. I have a teacher. She's one of the teachers who really got me to become a yoga instructor. She's forever challenging me on Instagram to harder and harder postures. Her latest one is unbelievable. I said to her, I'm like, really, we're going to do this again? I said, good luck to me. You're half my size. And now I'm going to have to climb all the way up there to come all the way down, you know? So, but I do it a lot of times for fun and other times to inspire, but also to just realize, look how far I've come in this journey. And that's important to me because I found a picture literally on my back anniversary this year of my very first headstand. And I didn't post it. And there's a reason because I realized that that picture was for me. It serves as my reminder that in that picture, my face was like contorted. My body was completely misaligned. I looked so nervous and I was up against the wall. But I just look at that picture and say, why do I need to post this? There's nothing to prove here other than to myself that that's where I started. Yeah, That's who I was. And this is who I am now. And I'd rather come into it with more of a celebratory mood versus feel bad for me there. It's not about feeling bad for what happened. I certainly don't feel bad. I actually feel happy that it happened. And I celebrate it because, like I said in the beginning, I wouldn't be where I am today had it not happened. Because I walked out of that very first yoga class and then I found this and it saved my life. That's amazing. And you were able to do a headstand so soon after recovering and healing from your accident. I remember the teacher that said, just know that when you go upside down, it takes away the inflammation. I was like, that's it. That's all you had to say. Okay, how do I do this? Right. And that was that picture. That's amazing. And so now we were talking before I asked you about your asana practice, about retreats and the next frontier for you in your career, even though I'm sure that you're loving where you are now, I'm, I'm sure you also probably, you know, we're sitting here, it's two days before 2020, and uh, I don't know if you spend time reflecting on 2019 or, you know, what are some of your goals for 2020? And I don't know, I'm always, like, I, that's what I've been doing for the last five days. So, yeah, so tell me. I've been doing that too. I mean, I, I look back a lot, but I, I don't like to look back in a negative way. Right. No, nothing is negative. Everything is positive. We try. I mean, listen, 2019 was a tough year, I think, for a lot of people. And I see a lot of people saying, oh, I can't wait for this year to be over. Well, we're almost there. So looking forward, and interestingly enough, one of the women I work with, we said our goal will be to do these retreats where we can put it together, 
even if it's small, like where you start small and then you grow that world, that is a huge goal of mine because I don't think there's enough of them out there. And maybe there aren't even really any that's solely based around healing the body, the mind, everything, but through your asana practice, through this vinyasa flow, through a different way about how we're flowing, where you're actually just having fun while healing. And I just want it to be fun. Like that's my whole idea behind that. I also want to write a book about what happened to me, my whole story, and get get it out there because I think people really need to know what their bodies are capable of. If I only knew what my body was capable of before, when I walked into that very first yoga class, well before my accident, things could be different. But again, we don't look back negatively. We're exactly where we need to be right here, right now. But going forward, I want to tell the world, hey, listen, this is where you can be too. This is where you can go. So that's part of it also. That's one of my things I want to get done. Time I don't have, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I always, you know, have been very big into writing. So, and I read tons of books and I take a lot away from what people put on paper. So I think that's a huge one. And then ultimately to get in more with the brands that I wear. What that's, brands do you wear? I love Aloe. That's a huge brand that I love. And recently, I became a brand ambassador for this company. I'm wearing them today, Cheerleader. They're amazing. It's great for hot yoga. They dry I love in like those five pants. They're seconds. so cool. Thank you. She's amazing. She's like the nicest person. So she sent me a bunch of stuff, and now I'm promoting it a lot more. And I think that's a big side to this business is, you know, yoga gear and what we can do with yoga gear. And comfort is key. I mean, especially for women, we walk into like these yoga classes you're sweating in 105. Let's say you have to run out and go pick up the kids. You can't exactly run and change, right? So we need those pants to dry quickly. Yeah. So I think that's a huge part of this. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a great extension of your brand. I think, you know, as long as it's in alignment with you and mm-hmm. what you believe in, I, I, I'm all for, you know, getting into the brand content. And, mm-hmm. You know, do you ever think you would would you te- do you ever want to teach in the city? I mean, I know it probably doesn't make any sense just because you have your your I don't have to include this, but you have your your students in New Jersey, but I mean, would you ever like do any of these brands that you work with have stores or, you know, did you ever think about teaching classes for them? So I would love that. And I think that has a whole lot to do with the actual brand. And Ironically enough, is the some of the studios themselves have come up with their own line of clothing. So one of my favorite studios in New York City, which I try to get to as much as possible, is Y7. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I am. Love Y7. Yeah. That's that whole concept of the hip hop yoga, yoga and just have fun. You know, it's just an amazing concept. I think that that they came up with something really cool, and so I would consider doing one of their trainings to be able to be one of their teachers because their training is different than our training, which I I would love to learn more about. I think you have a lot of exciting things on the horizon. I definitely think you should be a speaker at motivational conferences. I know that that wasn't one of the things that you mentioned, but. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, I would love to getting in front of people. I, I, I just, I want people to be able to understand exactly what they're capable of. And I would love to get up there and, and motivate them and inspire them. But the truth is like, I get motivated by the people in front of me, you know, all the time they come in and like, I teach so many classes, but when I see, like I have like, let's say the night class versus a morning class versus a Sunday class. When you have those night people that come in to do yoga, they like slap down those mats and they're like, let's go. 
you yeah. have the morning Sunday people and they're like, I'm a little hungover, but you need to kick me in my butt. And then you have the morning people who say, I need like a hard flow. My kids drove me crazy this morning. It's amazing to me, like the wave that I'm on with this, because I see every kind of person and I've gotten to understand that every kind of person and I feed off that energy. So if they're like feeling on the low, then I know I need to crack more cheesy jokes. Yeah. And if they're feeling like super exhilarated, I'm like, wow, guys, I feel like there's fire coming out of our ears. You know, that's the way it just goes. And I go harder. And someone was like, did you just have like 10 cups of coffee this morning? And I'm like, yes, I did. How could you tell? <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. This has been really awesome. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. Where can people find you on social media? So you can check me out on Instagram. It is purecjr underscore yoga. You can also put in Chav, C-H-A-V, and check me out there. And I'm also on Facebook as Chav. I'm getting into the TikTok world. Oh, no. Are you really? Is <laughs> I that am. the influence of the 17-year-old? Oh, my or? gosh. Yes. And it's so much fun. And my husband's on it, too. And we just started, like, having so much fun with it. But I'm still feeling it out because I want to see what these yoga influencers do on there. So I think I found my niche and I think it has a lot to do with like duetting with these people who think like, all right, I'm going to do these like push up challenges. We should change it over to the Chaturanga challenges and do their little song dance with it. But Chaturanga style. So I think I'm going to go into that realm and see what happens. So what, who, what's your TikTok handle? It's the same as my Instagram, pure CJR yoga. Oh, my God. I don't want to do TikTok. Please tell me. <laughs> I don't have to do I think it's fun. I have it on my phone, but I haven't activated it. Activate today. Activate. You think today. this is like the new thing that brands are going to be doing? Like they're, I mean, it's already happening. I mean, yeah. I will tell you this. I have like teen yoga students that come to hot yoga and there's very few of the teens that will come to hot yoga and they're like TikToking right before we start class. I'm like, are you guys on TikTok? And they're like, yeah. What's your handle? Yeah, that's, well, that's good for your business. Yeah. Yes, of course. So then I said to them, fine, then you guys are going to be the ones that we're going to do those TikTok challenges. And they're like, done, we'll do it with you. That's a really good idea. Right? I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Well, this has been awesome. Thank, Thank you so, so much, Kathy. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. <laughs>